This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and God with us, Jesus Christ. Amen. You all love an underdog story, right? Don't we? We all do. So many of the tales that we tell include ones who seem weaker, gaining the upper hand, overthrowing the bully, the powerful leader, the fierce warrior. Like David, that shepherd boy, son of Jesse, who was faithful and brave enough to take on Goliath, the giant, right? Bring victory for God's people. And he'd go on to become the greatest king of Israel. Or Alexander Hamilton, who, if Lin-Manuel Miranda gets the story straight, we can debate, an immigrant kid, right? A gifted rapper, apparently, who helped win the American Revolution, establish the first central bank, and sow the seeds of the new republic in which we live. Or Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, you know those names. African-American women whose gifts for mathematics made possible the success of American crewed missions to space. Or Peter Parker, 
for example, right? Now, I haven't seen the new Spider-Man, so no spoilers here. But he's just a kid, right? He's a kid on a field trip, and he gets bitten by a spider, goes on to save the city over and over again, and I guess break the universe as we know it wide open and make the way for more Marvel movies. Something like that. I'm not sure. I think all of us want to see the unexpected happen. We want to see something that surprises us, something amazing, maybe under the tree tomorrow morning, maybe here tonight. We want to know that the powerful can not assert dominance over us all forever. We need to know that a possibility of life that is different exists, where oppression and fear do not win out. Welcome to Christmas, the ultimate underdog story. We hear it tonight, this story again. Luke's orderly account of the good news of Jesus begins in a particular time in history when ultimate power and rule resided with the emperor in Rome. Caesar Augustus, maybe not the worst of them, decided that all the world, those under his power, those subject to his every whim and rule, needed to be counted. There were reasons, but because of him, all the people, rich and poor, had to go to the places of their birth to be counted, put down on paper. So Joseph, who was born in Bethlehem, had to go to his hometown. That meant the whole family and Mary, already great with child, had to pack up and move from Nazareth in the region of Galilee all the way down to Bethlehem in Judea. I personally know how difficult it can be just to get four kids moving in the same direction. Um, It's nearly impossible. So it's no surprise that Mary and Joseph take a while to get where they're going. By the time they get there, the town would be full of visitors. Great artists and illustrators of children's stories picture this holy family on the way to Bethlehem, their road trip on the back of a donkey. But we can imagine it was difficult. They must have been weary by the time they made it to town late at night and finding no place to stay available. They had to set up in the barn. I remember driving from Iowa down to Georgia for my sister's wedding. About halfway there, we were in Nashville, and we stayed at a pretty shady motel. It was late at night, cheapest thing we could find. There were no animals there that I know of. Um, But I guess you could stay anywhere if you really had to for one night. You could tough it out. Would you want to have a child there? I don't think so. It's not a good situation. But with little detail, Luke says, well, the baby was born. That's right. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, you know, as you do. Perfectly normal. It's all well and good. But then the surprise here is she laid him in a manger. I think people would have heard that and gone, what? What? That's gross. Having heard that the child, this child, this special one, would be the one to save God's people, to cast the mighty down from their thrones and to fill the hungry and to send the rich away empty who would bring peace to the world. It's pretty surprising then, perhaps an act of great faith, that Mary would place this special child, the king of all kings, in the trough where animals eat. Mary knew. She knew, okay? Mary believed what the angel told her, that this son of God would be the savior. So maybe she knew it didn't matter where she laid him, or maybe it was that God's light was already shining 
and no dirty food bowl could keep that love of God flowing out into the world. But there in the stable, the ultimate and eternal powers of the universe slept, swaddled in bands of cloth, and Mary rested. Praise the Lord. Meanwhile, back in the fields, there were shepherds doing what shepherds do, keeping watch over sheep. And Joseph and Mary might have been worth counting in the emperor's census, but these sheep watchers barely raided. They didn't seem concerned with traveling anywhere. They don't amount to much, according to the society. Terrified at the sight of the angel. Terrified they were. These underdogs were the first to hear the good news of great joy for all the people. The word had been fulfilled. The Messiah is born. The heavens rejoice. Glory to God in the highest heaven. All because of him. So these shepherds set out on their journey to go and find the baby, to go and meet this promised Savior, to leave the sheep behind or bring them along, not sure, to find the true shepherd there in the manger. Well, the angel promised they would see him, that they should not be afraid, and the word was true. They saw the baby there. It's pretty amazing how God speaks these promises to Mary. The angels speak to the shepherds, and the ones least likely usher the Savior into the world. The sheep herders give witness. But it all happened because of him. The angel announced. Mary said yes. The decree went out. Joseph obeyed. Jesus was born. And because of him, we know love. Because of him, we are forgiven. Because of him, we are freed to love others. Jesus, of course, is the definition of an underdog, right? Children. Children barely got counted. Children didn't count for much. But this little one would be Savior of the world. That's why it's the greatest story ever told. Jesus does what we could never do, becomes for us what we could not be. Mary's son laying in that food trough is more powerful than the emperor, than the angels, than any power that would oppress or hold people captive. He brings salvation and creates the possibility of life redeemed and renewed relationship with the source of all life and love and hope and joy and peace. That's what the story is about, people. Because of him, we are welcomed in a, into a new way of seeing the world, of being in the world, of being humanity, of living in community. We're believing in what is possible, and we get to be shepherds too, to go out and proclaim that what we see and what we know and what we experience in this world is not the totality of our nature. Death and disease and division will not rule over us. This Son of God, this special child laying in a manger, is Lord and Savior of all, not because of anything we have done to deserve it, but because of who God is. And that love of God that lived in Mary's womb, that came into the world in the most humble place of all. In a stable, in a meaningless town in the middle of nowhere. And the news went out to the fields and the pastures, to where sheep were sleeping and grazing, and the whole world would come to see this baby born. 
our reality transformed. So Christmas for us then, it's not just a season of giving, that's good. Not just about shopping, family, food, and music, I like that stuff. But this is the story of the birth of the Son of God. It's the reminder of who we really are because of him. Christmas is the renewing of this promise of what we are made for and the promises God continues to make to us and through us, to the calling that we have to love and live and serve since all of us here and outside those doors, all of us who were like those shepherds, unworthy, uncounted, unnamed, not welcomed into God's embrace, are now part of the family of faith. Whether you were born in a barn or a small town or a big city, you are counted by God. Whether you're good at math or have a bank account or not, or whether you can uh, leap from tall buildings with a single bound or spider webs, it doesn't matter. You are children of God. Whether you are poor or rich or young or old or powerful or afraid or lost or found, you are one through whom God can work too. Because of him, you are. Christmas reminds us also that we're not alone because God has chosen to come into the world not as we might have thought, not as the powerful, the wealthy, the conquering warrior, but as the weak, as the needy, as the unwashed and unwelcomed baby there in the stable. God lays there for the world to come and see. And now... God is with us. Mary's child has made each one of us children of the Most High. That's powerful. That's world-changing. Underdogs, every one of you. Yeah, we can be underdogs too because of him. Because of him, we can know that our selfishness and our fear and our frailty are all taken at the foot of a cross. Because of him, we are freed from having to account for all our deeds, good or bad, and freed to work for the sake of our neighbors, those nearest to us and those whom God places into our stories. We are welcomed to welcome others and to serve and to share, to make room in our hearts for love for those who might seem different than us to speak truth to power, to work for change, and to carry the good news of this Savior everywhere we go, to go and tell this amazing story. Jesus is born. Because of him, I am, you are, we all are made new. Merry Christmas, and thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.